Even when your children aren't children anymore, you never stop being a parent. Professor Lawrence Steinberg is a professor of psychology at Temple University who's written several books about adolescence. And parents always used to ask him about raising teenagers. Now more and more of them want to know how to have better relationships with their growing children. Entering adulthood is vastly different from the world we lived in as 20 and 30-year-olds. Work has changed. The housing market has changed. 30 years ago, student loans were non-existent in New Zealand. Well, Dr. Steinberg offers advice on how to navigate this new and complicated terrain in his book, You and Your Adult Child, How to Grow Together in Challenging Times. And Lawrence Steinberg joins me now. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. As I say, most of your work has centered around helping parents figure out teenagers and younger children, but are you hearing more about the challenges of parenting adult children? I am, and actually the origins of the book came from AARP, the organization over here that supports and advocates for adults who are 50 and older. They began hearing from their members that they were having trouble dealing with the challenges of raising adult children, and they came searching for somebody to write a book on it, and that's how this book began. Yeah, we put so much effort into those early years. I wonder if parenting at this stage of life has has been pretty much ignored or or perhaps at best misunderstood. I think so, but I also think that things have changed. Um, It's very different to grow through young adulthood today in New Zealand as it is in the United States than it was a generation ago. Because so many of the traditional transitions into adult roles, like starting a career or buying a home or getting married, have been pushed later and later. So a lot of the psychological and interpersonal issues that would have surfaced during adolescence for parents are now coming up during the 20s and some of them even during the 30s. So parenting adult children today is very different than it's ever been before. The title of the book, and the book itself is ostensibly for parents to help understand their adult children, but I wonder if you also had that second audience in mind, the idea of adult children reading the book to understand their parents. It's funny you should ask. I didn't when I wrote it, but when I was recording the audio book, I was working with two people in their late 20s, and it was the first time they had been exposed to the book while they were listening to me narrate it. And the producer, who was a young woman in her late 20s, took me aside and she said, my parents have got to read this book because they don't understand me. And the sound engineer a couple of days later, also, he's a fellow in his late 20s, came to me and said the same thing. So um, I, I think the two generations don't understand each other very well. And I, I hope that I treated each generation compassionately um, in the book. You're a university professor for many years, and I wonder if that involves relationships not just with your students but with their with their parents. Did you notice um, parenting styles changing in your interactions with parents over the years? Well, yes, in the sense that parents are now much more involved in their kids' college education, so they don't hesitate to pick up the phone and call professors. Yeah. Um, I, I even... Uh, I I tell a story in the book about talking to a woman over the phone about our graduate program and asking her to tell me about her interests. And she said, oh, it's not for me. I'm calling for my daughter. And so they're very, very involved in their kids' lives in a way that they've never been. Uh, And people listening may think, well, today's 20 and 30-somethings have been coddled. 
that may be true, but but you say it's demonstrably tougher to be a young adult now than it was 30 years ago. How so? Well, I think the economy is much tougher for people um, in that age range. And um, I know here in the United States, um, the cost of housing has risen five times um, faster than salaries. And so it's very, very difficult for young people to afford to live, especially in the cities on the east and west coast that are very desirable for people that age. So um, young people remain financially dependent on their parents much longer. Um, I don't know whether we would, I wouldn't call that coddling. Uh, It seems like it's a necessity, but we know that more and more of them are moving back home. Um, And that is a new phenomenon here in America. Are the 30s the new 20s? I think so. Um, And I think that a lot of parents never expected to having to be providing financial assistance to their kids when their kids were in their 30s. And by the same token, I think a lot of young people never thought that they would have to come to their parents hat in hand when they were in their 30s and ask for um, and ask for help. But that has become um, the new norm here. And uh, I think that people are still very perplexed and puzzled by it. And there aren't a lot of rules, really, or guidelines for how to parent adult children who are this age. And one of the reasons that AARP's members wanted the book um, was because they don't have any resources. There, mm. there really was nothing else out there like it. Um, so uh, it's a it's uncharted territory and filled with a lot of uncertainty. And I think that creates uncomfortable emotions for both the parents and the kids. What's happening in the brain of someone in their early 20s that, that might impact their relationship with mum and dad? We know that the brain is still maturing in the early 20s, um, and it's especially developing in parts of the brain that contribute to self-control and self-regulation. So we still see people in their in the first half of their 20s making a lot of risky and reckless choices, showing surprisingly bad judgment in a lot of situations. And I think that that probably comes as a surprise to their parents. Now, remember that because the the parents are so much more actively involved in parenting kids in their 20s and 30s, they get to see their kids close up in ways that they might not have in previous generations. So I think they they see both the good and the surprisingly bad um, when, when, uh, when, when they see their kids act in ways that, um, that concern them. It's a bit of your own personal story here. You and your own parents went through a rough patch. I think you had to extend the olive branch first. But but I wonder if modern parents today kind of have the opposite problem of your, of your dad, that they're too concerned about offending their kids. Um, well, I think, it's a, I, I think that's true. Um, I think that parents are perhaps a little afraid of their kids distancing themselves from them. And so I think when things are tough between young adults and their parents, it may be the parent who has to go to the adult child and say, can we talk about something? Um, that wasn't the case uh, in uh, when I was growing up. As I, as I tell the story in the book, I was going through a rough patch and I said to my dad, with whom I was very close, we were staying up one night having a nightcap after dinner, and I said, can we talk about our relationship? And he looked at me like I said, can we talk about space aliens? 
And he said, relationship? What relationship? I'm your father. I think that it's very, very hard. Now, I know you're a parent. I I mean, I think it's very hard to imagine a parent saying something like that to his kid today. Yeah, gosh. Um, You have some quite good advice, I think, for parents who are worried that their adult children are failing to launch, that they're floundering. You say you should compare them at 30 to where you were at 25. Why that advice? Because um, the transitions into these roles of, let's say, financial independence or marriage or parenthood have all been pushed further by about five years. And so when parents think to themselves or say to their kids, well, when I was your age, um, they're, they're really comparing apples and oranges because when parents were in their mid-20s or early 30s, they were probably five years ahead of where their kids are at the same chronological age. So if you're looking at your young adult child and you think, well, her career seems to be floundering, you have to keep in mind that people's careers take longer to develop and get off the ground by about five years these days um, than they did a generation ago. The same is true for marriage. A lot of parents become concerned that their adult children aren't married. And I've heard from parents who've written to me or said to me, something must be the matter because my son isn't married. He's already 32. And I'll explain to them that in the United States for college-educated people, that's the time when people are getting married, even though the generation before it was typically in their late 20s. So I think... Parents need to know that there's a new timetable out there. In order to figure out whether your child is flourishing or floundering, you have to be familiar with what the timetable is these days, not mm. what it was when you were growing up. That's so interesting. Professor Lawrence Steinberg's my guest. He's a professor of psychology at Temple University, and his book is called You and Your Adult Child, How to Grow Together in Challenging Times. Are there consequences uh, for delaying taking on some of those traditional responsibilities of adulthood? I'm not sure. I don't think we really know. Um, I think that a lot of it depends on what one is doing with the time during the delay. So um, there's a big difference between a young person who finishes colleges and moves back home and spends his time on the couch playing video games, (laughs) Um, in which case I don't think probably it was all that productive for him to delay adulthood versus one who uses that time maybe to get further education um, or to do some things that are going to help him launch a a better career. So um, I think delaying some of these transitions, uh, it can be good for some people and not so good for others. Yeah. Um, And any tips for making things go smoothly when an adult child does move back home? Yeah, I think the most important thing parents can do is to have a conversation with the adult child about what the ground rules are going to be. Um, It's not the same as when a college-age student comes back for a holiday. Um, It's very different because the young adult who returns home after college doesn't know when he or she's going to be leaving, and neither do the parents. And we don't like uncertainty, generally speaking. And so I think You have to have a conversation about things like household chores, expectations for family meals, um, whether the adult child can come and go 
um, without letting the parents know where they're going. Because for a lot of them, they've been living on their own um, without their parents close by, without their parents monitoring them. And now they're back in their childhood bedrooms um, <laughs> with mom and dad down the hall. And uh, I, I would imagine it's uh, it's a little more difficult to have a romantic life uh, when your parents are in the next bedroom um, than it was when you were in the dorm at college. So I, I think there are lots of things that have to be sorted out. And the only way to do this is to talk them through before um, the child moves back in. Yeah, most of those things you've mentioned are sort of rights and responsibilities of the child. But um, there's some interesting challenges for the parents, including when you should express your opinion about something uh, your adult child is doing or someone they're dating or a decision they're making. Right, right. There's a lot of tongue biting uh, that goes on <laughs> when you're a parent of an adult child. Um, and I, what I explain in the book, and I think it's it's a, a good way to frame this, is that just as your child was struggling with becoming an independent person uh, as a teenager, um, once again, there are issues about autonomy and independence that are coming to the surface now because your adult child needs to demonstrate to themselves and to you that they are capable of being competent adults without your help. And when you're, as a parent, always making suggestions or being critical or being too involved, you're interfering with that process in a way that, that can make an adult child angry. Um, and can make them perhaps deliberately reject your advice. And so I would be very gentle um, when making suggestions to an adult child about how to live their life. Hmm. I suppose some parents feel as though they have rights. Um, some parents subsidize rentals for their children, for example, or buy a house and, and let their kids live there. And And I wonder if that's a bit of a recipe for parents getting the feeling they have a right to give input about, well, for example, how the child is. spends their money. Yes, um, I think it can be. Um, but again, um, I, I, I think you need to tread very carefully here as a, as a parent. Um, a lot of parents subsidize their, uh, their adult child's living expenses. And uh, some of them may think that their child is living a little bit too extravagant for their case. And they may feel, <laughs> why am I giving you money um, so that you and your partner can go out to fancy restaurants? Um, and so I, I, th I think you, you know, you've got to allow the occasional splurge. But I do think that if you're subsidizing your child's life um, and they're behaving as if they don't really need the money, I, I think it's perfectly fine to ask them if they need it or if they need as much of it um, mm. as they're getting. Gosh. So interesting. And and then another key moment when you become a grandparent. Talk about biting your tongue, right? Yes. Um, this is a real challenge um, <laughs> that's made especially difficult. And I say this as a grandparent with adult children, um, that, that, that it's made especially difficult by the fact that advice for parents changes generationally. Uh, and so... Um, as a as a grandparent, you may see you, you may see your child interacting with their um, infant or their toddler in ways that really appall you, um, and that most likely reflects the fact that they've been giving that kind of advice from their pediatrician 
or they see their friends parenting that way, or that's what the parenting gurus who write the advice for parents are telling people today. And the advice that people are getting today is very different from what their parents got uh, 30 years ago. So um, I, I, I suggest that grandparents um, kind of hesitate before criticizing and, um, and try to figure out whether their child is only doing what they've been advised by experts to do. And that advice might be different than what you got when you were raising them. One, just a small part of the book, but I, but I think it's really useful, is the idea of um, how you think about expectations. And you say that neuroscientists think of expectations as predictions. What do you mean by that, and why is that important? It's very interesting. There's a part of the brain that is, that is monitoring whether our expectations for a situation are met or not met. Um, and when there's a violation of the expectation, uh, it's, a, it's a bad experience for us. And so I, I suggest to parents that they not go into a situation with either especially high unrealistic expectations or especially low um, expectations, because when their expectations are not confirmed, it will make them feel uncomfortable in ways that they might not be aware of. And so it's, it's odd, it's paradoxical. If you expect to have a bad time with somebody and you have a good time, um, there's a part of you that feels good because you had a good time, but there's a part of you that feels uncomfortable because it went against your expectations. And so I think the advice for people should be to try to have realistic expectations about all of your relationships. Um, and um, and I, even if you have good experience, it, it's good to have expected having good experience and it's bad to go into situations with especially low expectations because they might turn out to be much better than what you had thought. Hmm. So if your job as a parent of an adult child is no longer to offer advice, advice based on experience, because that seems to be the theme here, what is your job? What do your adult children need from you? You mean besides handing over your wallet? Um, <laughs> I, think, I think what they need from you is support. And of course, uh, kids need their parents' love no matter how old they are. But I think support, respect for their need to be and to feel um, independent, um, and uh, patience, I think, so that you, you can you can watch your child grow through adulthood um, along the timetable that's established really by today's economy and job market and to not overreact when your child doesn't seem to be following the same path that you took when you were a young adult. Great stuff. Well, there's so much more in the book, as I'm sure you've gathered. It's called You and Your Adult Child, How to Grow Together in Challenging Times. And I've been speaking with the author and professor of psychology, Lawrence Steinberg. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you, Jesse.